In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? I am at the Tony Robbins Leadership Academy. Leadership Academy is an incredible experience. If you guys ever get a chance to do it, if you're a manager or a leader, I'm definitely a fan. We got about a day and a half left, but so far I've walked away with tons of amazing information. But listen, today's guest is an interesting one. I think you guys will enjoy the interview, but it's Sharon Lecter. So Sharon is the former CEO of Rich Dad and Pay Your Family First. She's an entrepreneur, number one, New York Times, international best-selling author, philanthropist, international speaker, mentor, licensed CPA, and chartered global management accountant. She co-authored Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is why most of you are probably thinking about the name, Sharon Lecter, and also co-authored with Donald Trump and Kiyosaki, Why We Want You to Be Rich, and also uh, Greg Reed, who was interviewed a few months ago. She co-authored a book with him called Three Feet from Cold, and also Outwitting the Devil, Think and Grow Rich for Women, Success in Something Greater, Your Magic Key. Man, she's written a lot of books, and she's done uh, quite a bit. She was actually in uh, Colombia just about a month ago and had some really cool things to say about that toward the end of the uh, the interview. Well, listen, most of you know that I do a lot of work with the Rich Dad organization, mainly the Rich Dad Advisors, and have great relationships with, with all of them. Of course, with Tom Wheelwright and Andy Tanner, the Cashflow Wealth Summit, which is an annual investment conference that's 100% online. And I never had a chance to meet Sharon Lecter, although I know she was part of the Rich Dad story. And I came to gain a really good feeling about her as well as respect and admiration. You'll tell influence she had on Rich Dad or the influence it had on her, vice versa. I'm sure it's mutual and that she is out there doing good. And I believe that she has some sound principles she talks about and would recommend you go to her website. It's mentioned in the show. You can also go to thewealthstandard.com and check out the show notes. But anyway, clearly knows what she's doing. She's definitely mission driven and still has a lot of work to do. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview that we had talking about the, the theme of entrepreneurship. She definitely is one that has seen many of those. All right. So if you guys like what you hear on the podcast, we would love your feedback on iTunes. iTunes, you know, started recently down deleting podcasts in general, not our podcast yet, and hopefully never, but of course, definitely restructuring some of the podcast stuff on iTunes. And so if you guys would head over and, and support us, that'd be amazing. All you have to do is uh, give us a review and subscribe. Hi, Sharon. Hello there. There you are. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Super. Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. I'm really excited to talk to you about entrepreneurship. You have extensive experience in that arena. Well, thanks, Patrick. I guess it's been it's just been around a long time, done a lot of things. <laughs> Which says a lot. I'm hoping we can get to some of that. But I thought the first thing that I've been really intrigued by is I've discovered that there are these kind of universal variables or principles that 
determine kind of the success or, or failure of a business or, or an entrepreneur? Like, what are a few of those variables that you have discovered along the way? Because you've seen probably thousands and thousands of businesses, lots of success, but also lots of failure. Have you come to some of those conclusions? Well, certainly one of the biggest ones is every entrepreneur, they're in love with their product or their service, their idea of the deliverable of their company. But too few of them actually take the time to build the foundation around that business. And that's so important because everybody wants a successful business, but in order to make that successful business scalable and then ultimately saleable, you need to have the foundation around it. And some of that part is kind of boring because you have to have the right legal structure, you have to have the right agreements, you have to have the right business systems. And most people don't think about that. And so it's very important when you are a young entrepreneur is to make sure you have a team around you and mentors that can help you build the business structure so that you can create and scale your success. So getting to that point, though, I mean, most entrepreneurs or business owners will start because they have a product or or a service. And so how does other than finding an amazing all-star team to, to put together right out of the gate, like what are ways in which you've seen someone go through stages of a business to get to the point where they realize, wow, I need a team. I need some structure. I need to set up my operations this way. What's usually the process that an entrepreneur goes through before they have that realization? Well, I think the first step is you do start small. I mean, when I invested $1,500 in our first print run of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and continued to reinvesting the profits of the sale of the book so we can continue growing and expanding to a multi-million dollar operation. So it's making sure you understand the needs that you have. And then also that power of association is something I talk about a lot. Most we're taught in school to do things on our own. And so entrepreneurs, typically they have their passion, they have their talent, they have their product, and they feel like they have to do everything themselves. And the power of association is what's going to speed your way to success. And in today's world, it's almost a necessity to have the right people around, the right people that are going to help you market, the right mentors. It's so important to have a mentor that can guide you around the pitfalls that other people fall into. And open the Rolodex. When I have my mentoring clients, I want to make sure that they are looking at what that next level is, not where they are now, but where they want to go and who can get them there the quickest. Do I know someone I can introduce them to? Is there a new association, somebody that can help them market their product? Entrepreneurship is a constantly creating environment, but with that underlying structure, what you create stays and continues producing for you. So you said a few things that are really interesting around just people, right? And having different people with different skill sets, different abilities. How do you go about finding the right person? How do you identify them? I mean, resumes, I think by now are understood as like, not necessarily the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? So how do you go about like determining if it's the right person? Well, there's lots of levels. If it's an employee, there's one, I say, hire slow, fire fast. You want to make sure that employees that you're bringing on, understand your vision, understand where you want to go, and that they have strengths where maybe you have weaknesses so they can fill that in. But there's a shared initiative, a shared, let them be an entrepreneur within their job. And part of it is understanding what they've done in the past, what their strengths are, and then giving them the opportunity to grow within the business, not just hire them to do the same thing every day. Give them the opportunity to, I say, own their job so that they feel that level of contribution. And because in today's environment, I talk to business owners all the time. If you're not creating that entrepreneurial environment for the millennials, 
install a revolving door because they want to feel like they have ownership over their life and what they're doing, even as an employee. Mm -hmm. And so then when you're looking at building your business, advisors, who out there, there's the accountant that you use, have experience in what you're doing so that they can bring their experience to the table to help create greater value for you. Is the attorney you're using somebody that is an expert in what you do so that they can make sure they're supporting you, that they're not learning on your dime? Do you have a mentor who's challenging you as well as supporting you? Having a mastermind group of peers, being an entrepreneur can be very lonely. You may have been a professional and been in a group of other peer professionals. And if you had a question, you walk down the hall and walk into somebody's office. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're at the top. Everybody's looking to you for the answer. It can get really lonely and scary. And that's why it's important to have those people. They may be in different industries, but if they're going through the same growing pains, they may be able to help you deal with issues that come up and help you get past it. And it's just, it's a comfort to know that you have people out there that are supporting you in your success, just as you're supporting them in theirs. What are maybe some of those organizations that you have seen best support those leadership and entrepreneur roles? Because I totally agree with you. There's quite a few that are regional. They may have someone in your group in your area that may not be national. There's YPO, Young Presence Organizations. There's YEO, Young Entrepreneurs Organization. There's NABO, National Association of Women and Business Owners. For those women business owners who have more established businesses, over a million dollars, WPO, Women Presence Organization, something I've been on the national board and a member of for over 20 years, is an incredible organization of peer mentoring. There's BNI. There's LATIP. All of these are organizations that are there to create and support and inter-networking and supporting each other in businesses. And in addition, there are other probably local and regional organizations. Right here in Arizona, there's a one that's more of a technology-based group. So check it out. Just look out and find out and talk to other people and what organizations they belong to. It's awesome because, yeah, we haven't really mentioned any of those types of networking groups often. We're talking about a lot of entrepreneurial principles, but as far as networking, it's always best to learn off of the experience of others instead of having to experience it yourself sometimes. Experiential learning is so much better than uh, book learning. So you get it from someone else. You save yourself the heartache of learning that lesson the hard way. Totally true. One of the things that I find intriguing is the notion of leadership. And I find leadership just a really interesting principle. Like, How have you come to characterize good leadership and maybe even bad leadership? Well, I think there's so many thought leaders on the topic of leadership. But from my perspective, I I try to make things simple always. That's kind of my calling card. A leader needs to know when to listen. A leader needs to know when to support. A leader needs to know when to make a decision. So there are times when your function is that of a cheerleader, letting your team do what they do best and cheering them on. You duck when there's praise, but you stand up when there's criticism. And then there are times as a leader that you have to be the pit boss. You need to make the tough call. You need to say, call someone on not performing. And so a leader always has the vision of the company, but also has the heart of the team and makes decisions based on both. And I would say one of the biggest things that I've faced is when you do have to make those critical, tough calls, I value the principle of kindness, right? And sometimes the managerial, dictatorial stick, for whatever reason, it's never really resonated with me. For those that 
experience those feelings, what are some rules of thumb to abide by to hold the line, toe the line, but also do so with the degree of kindness as opposed to the proverbial stick? Well, as I started, the greatest talent of a leader is being able to listen. And I certainly I know when I was a member of a team, if I knew I had the environment to be heard, no matter what the outcome was, I would respect it because I know I was heard. My thoughts and my suggestions were taken into consideration. So as a leader, there are times when you have to be the decision maker and you have to do what's right for the company. Sometimes that means somebody on the team is in the wrong seat on the bus. And probably if you sit and meet with them and you help them find something that's better for them, or they're actually going to be happier in the long term. A toxic employee creates a toxic environment. But that doesn't mean as a leader that you can't do it with passion. And that's how you communicate with them. And maybe it takes a little more time than a dictatorial leader will, but it ends up being better in the in the space in the long term. Because an employee that is unhappy in their job may stay unhappy in that job. And that's not good for them. It's not good for the company. It's not good for the leader. And so part of that comes back to what I first question you asked me is if you have the right business systems, the right code of conduct, the code of honor, things that really imply how what your business is for, what you believe the code of conduct is, and an employee is not performing. If you can manage to the system, it's a lot easier than manage to the personality because it keeps the emotion out of it. I had a client, very successful dentist, was having a terrible time with her entrepreneur, her millennial employees. She was very much more eight to five. Don't use your cell phone when you're on at the desk. So why don't you have a code of conduct? And so when the next time you have a problem, you just say, okay, which one of these do you think you violated? Can I almost become comical? Because I say, yeah, I blew number five. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? It takes that angst, that emotion out of it, because you're pointing to a piece of paper, not to a person. And so that's something that I share with all of my clients. You know, the more you can systematize, think of McDonald's, right? You take out a little bit of that emotion. And when you have high emotion, you have low intelligence. So if you can manage the emotion, you're going to get better results. So I'd love to hear your story in a second, but what are maybe some resources to point to to understand what a code of conduct or a code of honor is, how it's created? and then maybe get into some business systems. Are there some resources or guides that would help someone that's listening that may have a smaller business that does not have established systems and would want to explore establishing? Well, certainly my husband's an intellectual property attorney. So he's been by my side and in the legal mind behind many of the businesses I've built and created the talking children's book, this global brand, as well as Rich Dad and many, many others. And we put together a course called Essential Components of a Successful Business. Now, this wasn't, I'm not intending this to be a commercial message, but I'm answering your question. So mm-hmm. we have that course. You can find it at SharonLector.com because we couldn't find it anywhere else. It's kind of like a college MBA class on how to build every aspect from the legal structure, understanding intellectual property, how to protect it and leverage it business systems, how to raise money, different ways to use other people's money, other people's time, other people's resources, understanding marketing and communication strategy and how important that is to have the follow-up and the follow-through. People talk about follow-up. Following through is usually the problem. 
And then understanding every aspect of business systems from the moment somebody answers the phone to following through on emails, whether you have a funnel, making sure that the customer experience is there and systems on how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to collect money? What is your system so that you can stick to it so that you have an organization that can be duplicated or scaled? And those systems are so important. And then, of course, it's all held together by you as a leader, your team, and your vision, your mission of the company. And once you can really solidify that, you have an asset. That business becomes an asset. It's no longer a job. It's an asset that can operate with or without you. So from a system standpoint, do you, because of course, there are so many different industries out there, different types of businesses, whether it's product-related, service-related. Have you found that business systems are mostly universal or they vary from industry to industry? Well, certainly they vary between a large manufacturing company versus a service company. So it is unique to the style of business that you have. Think operations manual. That's step one. You know, how does your business operate? Where, how do you source your goods? How do you source your components? What are the financial terms related to that? Is it just in time delivery or do you want to hold a certain numbers of days of supply down to how much of this do you have components? Who's going to combine them? Who's, what's the quality control procedures? And then, of course, what's the return procedures? What are you going to do and handle defective merchandise? What is your return policy? All of those. And that's just a small piece of the types of systems that you have. So your operations manual is your first step in defining what's missing within your business systems. Because without that, so I've had clients or people that have gotten all excited because they got a big order from Costco or from QVC. And so they spent and they went and mortgaged their house to get the money to create products to be on QVC to find out that it all got dumped back to them. They lost a fortune because they got this high emotion. They didn't have the systems and the financial intelligence to understand the importance of managing your cash flow. Yes, oftentimes saying yes uh, can get you in, uh, can get you in trouble. <laughs> That's one of the entrepreneurial curses is you want to say yes to everything, but you should only say yes to you a few things. Yeah, a lot of people say, say yes, and then figure out how. That can be a really nice thing to say, but it's a hard thing to actually do. You have to make sure you've got the financial wherewithal to say, follow through, and then it's the right thing for you and your business. There's a book that I ready fire, and I see the point behind it. At the same time, there's also some drawbacks to approaching some big decisions that way. <laughs> well, listen, Sharon, maybe talk just what your story is and what gave you this bug? Because clearly you've had so many different experiences, whether it's writing books or running businesses, consulting within numerous industries. Like what gave you that bug? What's kept it alive? Well, I started my profession as a CPA. So even from the very beginning of my career, I was inside companies of all different industries and saw how they did things right. And probably more importantly, saw a lot of them that did things wrong. So it gave me this base of understanding of business operations and systems and what it takes to be successful in business. Fast forward a few years, I get married and meet the inventor of the talking book. I was able to take that and apply that in licensing strategy around the globe. We had a new technology. This was back in 1987 before a child had any electronics. And so we were kind of the very first electronic in a child's hand. And so to get the parents to trust us, we partnered with companies like Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street. So understanding that power of association that helps 
validate you and elevate you when you need it most, allowed us to grow a very successful company that exploded over the four years from one to nine to 23, 52 million in sales. Selling that company, we moved to Arizona. This was back in 91. As in 92, my oldest son went off to college and came home from September to December. He came home in December in credit card debt. We didn't even know he had a credit card. He got to college and here was a table saying free pizza, free money, another one free t-shirt, free money. And he had a really good time his first semester in college. <laughs> that was when he came home. It was December of 92. We figured said no to bailing him out, made him figure it out on his own, and probably one of the better decisions we've made as parents. But that was December of 92, and that's really when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial education, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship education. My passion today is as strong as it was in December of 92. The way that I've done things, I've built the Rich Dad organization over 10 years to the largest personal finance brand in the world because of the need. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial home. I didn't understand that everybody didn't think the way I did. Financial freedom comes when income from your assets exceeds your monthly expenses. It's just that simple. So you want to have the invest your time in buying, building, or creating assets. And once those assets get to that point, you're financially free. It doesn't need to be millions of dollars. When I met Robert Kiyosaki, who was only making $100,000 a year, he lived in a two-bedroom condo. At two small apartment complexes that generated 100K. His living expenses were 30. And so he was technically financially free. That message is what more people need to understand. Because people think financial freedom is when you're at $10 million, right? No, you can become financially free if you focus on buying, building, and creating assets. And so that has been my lifelong passion. 15 books with Rich Dad. I've done now four books with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Three Feet from Gold, Outwitting the Devil, Think and Grow Rich for Women. And my most recent one is Success is Something Greater. And the reason I wrote this book, I want people to wake up that success means different things to different people. We have some content that has never been published before from Napoleon Hill in it. But we also highlight close to 20 people that have created success in their industries all from different magic keys or secret sauce, whatever you want to call it, their focus and their definition of success is different. But then they also always gave back that success and something greater. And so the reader is going to see these different stories of success. One may not relate to them at all, but the next one, wow, I can do that. I want to empower people to realize that you are where you are today because of the choices you made before today. If you want success in your life, just start making different choices because it's never been easier to start a business. It's never been easier to promote a business. It's never been easier to create success in your life if you do it with the right information. And today, obviously from 1992 until today, you have, of course, grown. And it's awesome that this book is coming out. At the same time, what trapped your son in 92, it seems that the educational system, the business environment has continued to grow as well and not necessarily providing the financial education for individuals to achieve that end of financial freedom. So what do you see in like the millennial generation or what do you see in the environment today that gives you hope that despite a lot of the indoctrination, I mean, I'm talking mostly in, in the United States, but the indoctrination of kids and in how trained to be employees, trained to be managers, 
you know, what are some signs that you see that things are changing, that kids are waking up? The millennial generation I find extremely fascinating because totally different than all previous generations. And they haven't bought in as hard as a lot of other generations have. Like, What else are you seeing maybe besides the millennial generation that gives you hope? Well, there's a positive and a negative. I mean, millennials today and the younger generation they recognize that there's no job security. They recognize that there's not going to be a 30-year career with a gold watch. So they're not going into it with that expectation, which means they also have more demands. And so you have to make sure you understand as an employer that it's not just the paycheck, it's the environment. And if you want to build loyalty in your employees, you need to understand what they want, what they're looking for, and make them feel ownership in what they're doing with your company. In addition to that, you're right, the school system itself is still behind the times. We've succeeded in some states, Arizona, we now have personal financial education as a requirement for high school graduation. It's not enough, and we're still working in that degree. But we talk about the saying, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Well, that's because they learn about money at home, not at school. If we truly want to level the playing field for students and people around the world, it's providing that financial education. That's what's going to give kids that equal footing. And so as we see these kids coming up, a lot of people say, oh, they're lazy. They don't want to do anything. You know, of course, those individuals in every generation, I see young people eager to take control of their own lives, eager, recognizing that there's no job security. Now, we will always need employees. Companies will always need employees. So if you are in the market and with our low unemployment right now, it's even more important to create an environment where your employees are proud to be part of your company, proud to be there, proud to want to work for you and create success. And so as an employer, as a leader, sometimes you have to be more creative as to how you maintain that environment of excitement. And even if it's a corporation, an environment of entrepreneurship. Well, Sharon, you provide so much information in this short period of time. I wish we could go, why don't you tell the listeners how they can get your new book, but also access some of the resources that you have available and maybe talk one more time about kind of the business course that you have available on your website. Certainly. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. SharonLechter.com, S-H-A-R-O-N-L-E-C-H-T-E-R.com is my website. I'm also Sharon Lecter on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. On my website, you can find more information about, I have several online courses. One is the essential components of a successful business, which I spoke about earlier with my husband. I have a financial mastery course that is also very, very in-depth, getting you from being financially stressed to financially secure. And then I have a play big course, which helps take you to the point where you are financially free. All of those are available. I also have another course on Think and Grow Rich for Women. For free, I have a podcast, Play Big Movement with Sharon Lecter. And then I also have a private Facebook group, Play Big Movement with Sharon Lecter. So I invite you all to join all of those. We actually, the book Success and Something Greater is available through Amazon. And if you want to have a special gift related to you defining your own personal success equation, you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash success equation. It's a download. It's not a sales pitch. It's a download of walking you through your own personal success equation, your passion, your talents, your powers of your association, what actions you can take, and most of all, having faith in yourself, faith that what you're doing is needed and necessary, and faith that you can succeed. 
Well, Sharon, this has been amazing. I'll have Whitney follow up with you so we can get all of those links and make sure it gets posted in the show notes as well as on our social media. But thanks again. Any final words of wisdom before we part? Well, I want to thank you, Patrick, for what you're doing. The more information we get out there to basically energizes people to take action. I just literally came home from Colombia and the folks down there, South America, they're so eager to learn. They're so excited. They were there before the doors open. They stayed till after the doors closed. I mean, they were so eager. And I think we just need to get people energized, particularly in the United States, to really take the action. So many people, they're waiting for it to come to them. Don't wait. Make that decision and go out and create your success today. Yeah, it's amazing. Once when the spectrum is wide as far as having freedom and not having freedom and being pushed in certain directions, especially if you know a country and political standpoint, it's amazing how how much freedom is valued, how much education is valued, how much just other perspective is valued. And so I have tremendous hope for South America. I mean, I know Colombia has made its strides. I mean, oh, it's amazing. It's like the beginning is on the upswing. Very fast growing economy with people that are just so loving and excited and eager to learn. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the economy there grows. Yeah, and sometimes you have to, you know, those countries have to experience some pretty rough times in order to turn things around and have a shift for the better. But that's awesome you were down there and, and were able to give them value. Well, thank you. It was wonderful. Incredible people. We were there a year ago, just literally back this week. So it was just incredible to see the progress. I know it's making a difference. And I look at countries like Venezuela and Argentina is having issues too. It's, it's one of those things where when you have the Colombias of the world and you have other countries that are making these drastic changes, it provides that flagship and beacon of hope for the other countries that are close neighbors. So, Yep, absolutely. All right, Sharon, thank you again for your time. It was awesome speaking with you and best of luck with everything. And we'll get the word out on all of the resources that you mentioned as well as your new book. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you for all that you do. Okay, thanks, Sharon. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh,